Matthew 26, if you want to turn there. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, What do you want us to make the preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to one another, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Why didn't they already know that? Have you ever thought about that? Why did they even have to say that? But Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand in the bowl with me and will betray me, the Son of Man, will go just as it is written about him. But woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who had betrayed him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out from, for you, for many, for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until the day that I, when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. That led us last sentence there, and I won't camp on it this morning, but... I don't know how many times I've read that passage of Scripture. But somehow or another, I missed verse 30. When they had sung a hymn. Jesus and the disciples sat around and sang together. I would say they probably sang that night, maybe for, except for Judas. They sang that night with all of their heart because that's what happens when you're passionate and excited and committed to something. I mean, it may be an idea. It may be a dream it may, that is calling you. You make the adjustments in your life. You make the sacrifices to follow it. It may be a marriage that, man, you're looking at that marriage and that relationship going, this, you've got this great idea of what marriage will be. And you're willing to sacrifice, willing to give up yourself. It may be a job or, 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 or you're starting something. You're starting a business. It may be raising your children. It may be a mint call to ministry. Whatever that is, there's this excitement. There is this passion. There is this commitment to this idea. You have something every day to get up and live for. You're willing to even struggle and sacrifice for it. And it's more than about money. It's more than about position. There's this quiet enthusiasm 
in fervor, even in a common day. I believe this, when there is hope in the future, it brings power to the present. The disciples had this idea of Jesus and what he would become. They were passionate. They were excited. They were committed. They sang together. And I would say with a lot of fervor. But man, what does a 24-hour schedule hold? Because in 24 hours, we know, if we know the story, all that changes, doesn't it? An idea dies. What does a week hold? What does a day hold? What does 10 years hold? But we're talking about this week, Holy Week. Today is celebration, as Josiah has already shared with you. Today is a day of celebration. But also a day of preparation. Preparation leading to Good Friday and the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior. And I do want to encourage you to be here this week, if it is all possible. And I just pray that you invite someone. Then Easter Sunday. Resurrection Sunday. Today, the sixth day of sixth Sunday of Lent has been historically celebrated again as celebration. Hosanna. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. But preparation. And I would say if we were honest this morning, most of us would probably want to skip Holy Week. Not everyone, but many would want to skip Holy Week. We'd rather just skip, maybe not just the upper room, but the steps right after the upper room. The garden of betrayal, or at least denial. The Via Dolorosa, Dolorosa. The way of sorrows, the way of grief. See, most of us would rather go from Hosanna on Palm Sunday to He is Risen on Easter Sunday, and somewhere along the way, skip Good Friday and the death of our Savior. Death of an idea. Some of it could be today, maybe not even about your spiritual faith like it was for them. It could be about your marriage. You had this great idea of what it was going to be, but somehow or another it wasn't what you thought it was going to be. You misunderstood what it was going to be. And what you don't do now is realize your role in it not being what it was supposed to be. So we'd rather deflect. We'd rather run from. Why we misunderstood this great idea. Yes, sir. Hello, 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 okay. Where was I? <laughs> I think I am where most of us don't want to be in the, in the verse, in the message. 
one of you will betray me. I would say in that room that night, minus Judas, most of those disciples would have said, not I, Lord. Even though they questioned there for a moment, they'd probably say, not I. But it's, isn't it easy to say in an upper room with good food and dear friends that you will not deny it's a whole lot harder when you're in a dark garden with a hostile mob. Isn't it easy to say on the wedding day, I will be true and I will be everything, but it's different down the road, isn't it? When all things come crashing in. The disciples misunderstood the idea of what Jesus was doing. And they vastly overstated their commitment to it and who they were as people. It's reasonable that people want to go to the big parade and show up at the empty tomb and skip the stuff that makes us feel uncomfortable. We want to miss the betrayal. We want to miss the denial. We want to miss the insulting. We want to miss the disappointment of he is not who I thought he was. We want to miss the spitting and beating and the death of Jesus. We don't want to think the fact that we could have been in that crowd That one day shouting Hosanna and another day saying crucify him. We don't want to be there. We'd rather just skip on past that. What we don't want to do is admit our role in it. Who doesn't want to skip the hard truth? The messy condemning stuff in the middle. But I've come to the conclusion, I'm sure many of you have, one of the reasons so many of us are dysfunctional and unhealthy in our spiritual journey, one of the reasons is because we're not willing to go through Holy Week in our own lives. We're not willing to go through the brokenness and the hard stuff. Your Barnes research, as I've shared with you over the last many months, is that's, he said that's where most people stop in their transformation journey. When they get to the brokenness, which we'd call consecration of the Holy Week, that's where they stop. Again, I'd rather be in the parade, Hosanna, Hosanna. And at least Easter lilies all around me, sure, that's where I'd rather be than feeling bad about myself. But for the ages, here's the problem with the cross. The cross causes us to face reality of all of it. It causes us to face the reality of our own lives. It causes us to face our role in all of it. Whether it's a great idea of marriage, a great idea of business, great whatever that is. When we go through the cross, we begin to see what maybe we've avoided for years. So because of it, we're stuck spiritually. Our marriages are stuck. Our families are stuck. Your dream, your divine idea is stuck. 
not willing to go through the brokenness, not willing to go through the crucifixion of self, not willing to get to Resurrection Sunday, just want to show up at Resurrection Sunday, but that's not how it works. You have to go through the cross. This week of preparation, this week of stepping back and looking, this week of hearing the crowds chanting, We don't want to look at it because when we look at it, we realize that sin is what's held us there. And what does sin do? We talk about it here all the time. It separates, doesn't it? It separates us from God's, our relationship with God. It separates us in our relationship with others. It separates us from this divine idea for your life. Because sin has no future, does it? Sin is about right now. Just take it next time. Just check yourself next time. Sin is about right now. Sin is not about consequences because you really don't think about it that much. Sin is about right now. I believe this. If sin had more immediate consequences, there'd be less of it. I know that's deep. But if you knew right now what you were doing that you knew you shouldn't be doing, if you knew right now, right in that moment, and the consequences were right there, you'd, you'd stop a lot of the things that are going on in your life. Many of you are like Paul writes, I think, and I don't have the... Scripture here, it says, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. You have this idea that there is no great plan and no great future, and there is no great hope for you specifically. Maybe there is for someone, but not for you. But when Jesus gets a hold of the narrative, I mean, we just go, we could read in the book of John in chapter 13, Jesus in the towel in the basin where Jesus kneels down and washes the feet of the disciples, a role that servants should be doing. And it wasn't clean. I mean, that's where, in the streets is where people threw their, yeah, like when you flush the toilet, well, it went in the street there, where the, where the animals along the road, where all that was. Yeah, it wasn't just washing dust off. It was washing a lot of other things off along with it. But Jesus, midway through the meal, kneels down and washes their feet. I'm guessing it probably even embarrassed them. We know there was some pushback on it. He served them a meal and a drink. That's what they thought was happening. The authorities and crowds thought they were killing a lunatic, right? They thought they were bringing Jesus to the cross so they could embarrass him, so they could shame him, so they could eliminate him. But he took the cross out of their hands and made it his own. He attached a meaning to that cross that has now lived for the last 2,000 years. See, when Jesus gets a hold of the narrative, when, Jesus, when you go to the cross, Jesus gets a chance to get a hold of the narrative of your life. But if you're not willing to go through Holy Week, if you're not willing to walk that road, you're still writing your own narrative. Isn't it amazing what Jesus can do with foot washing and make it something beautiful? They were embarrassed by it. He made it something beautiful. The cross. 
It was the way of the damned. It was embarrassing to them. He made something beautiful. Time has shown that the significance of Holy Week and the cross wasn't about shame. It wasn't about embarrassment. It wasn't about the elimination. It was about freeing slaves, building hospitals, founding charities. But most of all, it was about saving and stirring the souls of mankind. That's what it was about. I want to encourage you today to go through the cross. I don't want you to miss this week. It could be transformative for your life. It could be transformative for your family. It could be transformative for your marriage. It could be transformative for your business. It could be transformative for your community. You've got to go through Holy Week. Don't just try to get to Palm Sunday, Hosanna, Hosanna, and try to get to He is Risen. You let Jesus have your story. You let Him have your life. And let Him write His divine story for you. They'll be saying about you someday, He is risen. Look at her. She is risen. They'll look at your marriage that somebody else has already buried and said it's done, and they will say they have risen. You got to go through Holy Week. I'd say go through it every day is what I'd suggest to you. <laughs> to die out to the self-centered self, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Paul says, I die daily. Hosanna, Hosanna. Welcome to Holy Week. Welcome to Holy Week. It's a beautiful thing. I hope you step towards it. I hope you walk through it. I'm guessing there's people around you who hope you do too. I really, really do. I'm going to ask the guys to come back up. Friday night, 7 o'clock. But you could come to that and still miss it. (laughs) I don't mean miss the event, miss what it means. Because we all could be like those disciples sitting around that table. And again, interesting what they say to each other. Could it be me, Lord? Could it be me? He's the answer to your big idea. He has a divine plan, a beautiful plan for your life. I'm not saying it'll be easy. I'm not saying it'll promise you a long life. But I can tell you this, he can, I, I believe he'll promise you a full life. <laughs> I love the saying I heard years ago. I may not be able to choose how I'm going to die but I sure can't choose how I'm going to live. When you live for him and give him your narrative, he can take the ugliest of ugly or the most beautiful of beautiful and write a great story. Won't you stand with us as we sing? We'll come back and partake in communion.